Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's June 25th, 1633, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. On this day, a boat anchored in Massachusetts with a very special present for the governor, John Winthrop. It was a box containing a spoon, a knife, and an incredible two-pronged instrument, the very first (laughs) fork in the United States. And the box bore a really interesting dedication to Winthrop. It said, it is for the useful application of which I leave to your discretion. So it was kind of already hedging its bets going, this may be of no use to you whatsoever, but good luck with this newfangled thingy. Well, it's worth mentioning that the fork had only just been officially sanctioned in the UK, with Charles I declaring it decent to use a fork (laughs) in a statement which was said to herald the beginning of civilised table manners. I mean, you might have thought he'd have other things to worry about and pronounce upon, wouldn't you? Do you also need to be ruling on etiquette when you're trying to prevent yourself from being beheaded by the people who want to, you know, take your job and wage war in foreign climes? I guess his use of forks had probably prompted some tittle-tattle in the courts and he was probably aware of that so he felt like i've got to address the fork thing yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly it's worth noting that although forks had been around for centuries in china and the middle east fork in ages they arrived in (laughs) europe in the year 1004 when the niece of the byzantine emperor her name was maria she came to venice to marry a venetian she ate with a previously unseen implement at her wedding feast but it didn't catch on immediately when she died saint peter damien (laughs) said um, nor did she deign to touch her food with her fingers but would command her eunuchs to cut it up which she would impale on a certain golden instrument with two prongs this woman's vanity was hateful to almighty god and so unmistakably did he take his revenge i gotta say if someone brought their own implements to my dinner party and got them out and they were like uh you know thanks for the knife and fork that you're offering me but i'm going to use this gesundheit whatever it is that they had i'd be pretty pissed off i felt the same way actually the first time i saw someone use an e-cigarette in my house (laughs) <laughs> I was just like, what is my doorstep not good enough for you take your opera lights outside well that's very much how some elements of the clergy felt ollie they felt god gave you 10 fingers to stick all over your meat and to dip in communal bowls if you're so good that you can't use them then you've obviously got a problem with your overweening vanity it's quite ironic though really isn't it that although italy was clearly very slow to realize the uh, pleasures of the fort compared to the middle east they were way ahead of britain I-, I wonder if that was because of pasta like they then developed a cuisine for which a spoon is inappropriate mm. and a fork is perfectly designed yes yeah, so in the anglo-saxon world 
the fork started picking up popularity thanks to brave early adopters like Thomas Coryat, who took a tour of Italy and then he came back in 1608. He wrote his memoir and he included a truly exhaustive description of fork usage. I won't <laughs> read it out, but he, he really does explain it in a very like step one of using the fork, step two of using the fork. But he says the reason of this, their curiosity, is because the Italian cannot endure to have his dish touched with fingers, seeing as all men's fingers are not alike clean, which to us seems like quite obvious. Mm. But then I think like, the idea of like putting metal in your mouth mm. would have just seemed unclean. So that's the thing you kind of forget now because we're in a world of stainless steel as well. It's worth mentioning stainless mm. steel wasn't mass produced in Sheffield until 1913. Correct. So before then, if you weren't really rich and eating off a golden fork like the lady princess who attracted the ire of the clergy, <laughs> you were eating off metal that would have tasted like metal. Your food would have tasted of that stuff. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been clean, really, because people weren't used to cleaning the utensils after you'd eaten with them. Yeah, or wood, and you'd end up with a mouthful of splinters. <laughs> exactly. Rust and splinters, delicious. <laughs> but it was the clergy's objection to specifically John Winthrop's newfangled device that really halted. Oh no! The so they didn't like it in America either. No. So so this hundreds thing of years was later, brought out. they were yeah. like, "We've told you six hundred <laughs> years ago, keep your forks yourself." We still to yourself. don't like it. <laughs> but apparently, it really wasn't picked up, and it took a long time for Americans to really embrace the fork because they were being sent knives that had begun to be rounded at the tip. Because meanwhile the motherland had accepted the use of knives and forks. And so you no longer needed to use your knife and actually impale pieces of meat or whatever you were eating and get it to your mouth via the knife. So they were getting these round-headed knives, but they hadn't yet adopted the, the fork because they thought that it was actually not terribly couth. I've never heard couth used as a positive before. <laughs> I don't know if it's meant to. <laughs> um, it's, like, to be. it's like being whelmed by something you never hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only under or over. <laughs> but exactly that, that, that's the reason apparently that Americans still have this slightly peculiar way of using their knife and fork. I'm glad you said it. The cut and switch. <laughs> the cut and switch. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, actually. because if you watch Americans eat, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're American, just picture the way you presumably eat. Listen to these three <laughs> three people from another country saying, what? when you watch Americans eat. <laughs> Agog and dumbfounded. <laughs> well, apparently this is actually dying out among the younger generations, but traditionally the American way to eat was that you cut the piece of food and then you switch your fork to your right hand and sort yeah. of scoop it up and that's because mm. they had as Arian was saying these round-headed knives and they, so they had to cut it and because they didn't have a fork they had a spoon they would mm -hmm. have to sort of scoop the food up into their spoon and that's why Americans use the fork with the tines pointing upwards instead of downwards. But also the prevalence I think of convenience food in the last 50 years in the States means that some Americans still kind of get to a certain age I mean I'm sure by the time they're in their 20s they've used a knife and fork but actually there are some, some American teenagers I think that just don't have, like they only eat with a spoon and their hands <laughs> <laughs> Really? <laughs> that, and that's a fact. <laughs> Ollie, what a ridiculous pronouncement. Take that, 50 million people. <laughs> I, I said some, but I think it's much more widespread than here. I do. I think there are Americans that don't have the whole knife and fork thing down like we do. I think that that is a wild statement. But I do think there's something to be said for the fact that there are probably a lot of people who no longer sit at the table and eat with that's you know true. the proper implements. 
Yeah. And also, I think that the, the whole business of the way that you're meant to use cutlery, uh, like at a very high level, there's all sorts of crazy rules about what you can and can't do about, you know, not putting your spoon in your mouth and only using the fork pretty much the wrong way up. It should rightly be designed to be used the way that Americans tend to use it. But yeah, the, the, there's a lot of people who presumably never have to engage in that sort of dining and probably most of us on a day-to-day basis. And so you don't do the sort of full Debrett's finishing school version of table etiquette. Because all of that stuff was designed to be exclusionary because stainless steel hadn't been invented yet or hadn't been mass produced yet. So the point was only rich people could afford to have 15 different types of fork. Mm. So then you are making it something that's not accessible to even your middle classes, aren't you? It's like, oh, very well, you know, you know how to use a fork, do you? Well, try and use a lobster fork. <laughs> yeah. See how you do then. And then we'll <laughs> laugh. It's a form of cultural exclusion as well, you know. The, the, it's a sort of classic trope, isn't it? A new, very riche person coming into a grand dinner and not knowing which fork to use, etc. Mm. CF Kathy Bates in Titanic. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, less obvious now when even at the most formal dinners, you're probably not going to find more than two or maximum three forks. But mm. I won't surprise you to know that the Victorians were the ones behind the proliferation of forks for mm. all occasions. It did get to a point where there was literally a different type of fork sanctioned for every kind of food. But my parents got married in 1980 and they got given one of those like gift sets of cutlery that they kept under the stairs and only used once every three years. But as a kid, I looked through it occasionally because it was a thing to do because I was an only child. (laughs) I was very lonely. (laughs) Ollie counting his parents' wedding forks over and over again. Still the same number. (laughs) You don't see American children doing this. And... I remember there was like a dinner fork, a fish fork, a lunch fork, a salad fork, a dessert fork. Mm. This is in a standard set of 1980s posh forks for a middle class couple. So it seems extraordinary that that took such a long time to fade away. Because Mm. I think we can all agree, can't we, that like really you don't need a fork at all and a spoon was always fine. But if you're going to have a fork, just have the largest fork with three prongs preferably and use that. (laughs) I just hate this. Even now... Like, we've got just a starter fork and a main course fork, and I always, even if I'm having a starter, I know it's travesty, will use the main course fork, because it fits my hand better. (laughs) Ollie, Mm. there's something of the St. Peter Damien about you. I'm here to break down the boundaries, man. (laughs) And I only ever drink out of a pint glass, even if I'm (laughs) drinking champagne. (laughs) Next time. The old Bailey jury heard how a man had started an affair with a woman that he met at Crufts. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.